You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. If you're just coming across this uh, podcast, the goal of it is for leaders to be encouraged and challenged in their leadership no matter where God has you leading. So if you have come across this podcast and this is the first episode, we encourage you to go back, check out some of our previous episodes. We'd love for you um, to just glean some wisdom from those episodes. But we are glad you're here today and we're going to jump into some incredible content on life and leadership with my pastor, Vance Pittman. He's here with me. Vance, how you doing? Man, doing great today, Scott. We've had a great morning. Uh, we have the what we call at Hope our second Monday. So the second Monday of every month is today when we're recording this, and we take a couple of hours and spend time as a staff team and worship together and prayer together, really bathing God's activity in prayer. And then I do some leadership teaching with our staff team, and so we had that this morning. And then tonight, the Las Vegas Golden Knights are playing in the Western Conference Finals Game 2, and so by the time this releases, I pray and hope that we are in the Stanley Cup Finals. So I got my jersey on today. It's game day, big night tonight, but great day today so far. Go Knights, go. Today we are going to be discussing a foundational leadership principle. In fact, we were just talking before we pressed record, what we're going to talk about today, if it is not a part of your life as a leader, chances are you're not much of a leader. In fact, the very definition of leader implies that people are following you. And if there aren't people, if there are people following you, there's a good chance that you will really benefit from today's topic. So Vance, share with our leaders, what is it that we're discussing today? Yes, Scott, today we're really going to talk about what I consider to be leadership failure 101. Uh, if the principle that we're going to discuss today is not a part of somebody's leadership, they are really setting themselves up to fail as a leader. So today we're going to really discuss this biblical idea that leaders share responsibility by developing new leaders. It is imperative that as leaders we are involved in raising up and developing new leaders. And if we're not doing that, we are definitely going to fail in our mission as a leader. Yeah, Vance, leadership has been a buzzword in the church for a while now, just for the sake of laying a foundation for our leaders. Is this idea biblical? Scott, I think absolutely leadership is a biblical principle. It's all over the Scripture. As a matter of fact, the very first thing we read that God gives us in Scripture as a command as human beings revolves around leadership. In Genesis chapter 1, it says when God created us, that He made us in His image, and then He commanded us to rule. And the word rule is a word that's used throughout the Old Testament as a word that applies or can be translated as leadership. So from the very beginning of God's creation of human beings in the Bible, we see leadership as a part of their experience. And then as you read through the Old Testament narrative from Genesis all the way to Malachi, the Old Testament narrative is largely told through the life of leaders and their stories. Think about all the leaders in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Samuel, Joseph, Moses, David, all these leaders in scripture 
and much of the narrative is told through the perspective of these that were entrusted to lead at different times in God's relationship with his people. There's an Old Testament book of Proverbs that is full of wisdom, and so much of the wisdom that's given in Proverbs pertains to those in leadership roles. Then when you get into the New Testament, you see this thing of leadership continue throughout the New Testament. The life of Jesus, his three and a half years of public ministry was largely uh, devoted to raising up leaders for the mission that he was going to entrust to them in the book of Acts and the Gospels uh, through the Great Commission. So for three and a half years, Jesus, the biggest part of his ministry was raising up and developing leaders. And then the rest of the New Testament is really the story of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, who the Apostle Paul was this great missionary church planter, but in every place where Paul would go in and plant a church, he would stay for a season, one to two years, and that season was to raise up and develop leaders, which were called elders and deacons in the early church, but what those were were leadership roles in the church. So really, is it biblical? The whole story of the Bible is really written through this perspective of leadership from beginning to end. It runs throughout Scripture, and because of that, a couple of years ago in our church, we actually took a season and we studied the life of Moses. We did a character study in the Old Testament, but we did it around the principles of leadership, so many principles of leadership to glean from Moses' life. And we're going to be looking at this particular one today right out of Moses' life from Exodus chapter 18. That's awesome. So leadership is biblical. And I know to some, leadership can be super daunting. I think of someone like my wife or Pastor Vance, your wife. These are godly women whose primary leadership right now is my little children. And for years, your wife has been your children. Uh, what I love about what we're talking about today is it's completely scalable. It doesn't matter if you're leading a small group in a church or a classroom of eight-year-olds, a house full of children, or a whole church, or a Fortune 500 company. We need to be influencing and developing people. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I think, uh, Scott, it, you said it best, that it doesn't matter what role you have in influencing other people, all of us need to be raising up and developing new leaders. Uh, John Maxwell has a quote. Uh, he says this, Leadership is not about titles, positions, and flowcharts. It's about one life influencing another life. Now, some lead in a workplace, some lead in a classroom, some lead at home, some lead in the church, some on a team. Uh, but as followers of Jesus, all of us are influencing the lives of other people. There's a, um, an old cartoon strip that was out for years uh, called Dilbert. And the writer, the creator and writer of that cartoon strip was a man named Scott Adams. And the cartoon strip had a tremendous impact globally. It, it, it appeared in 2,000 different newspapers, 65 different countries, 25 different languages. But here's what Scott Adams said. He said, you don't have to be a person of influence to be influential. In fact, the most influential people in my life are probably not even aware of the things that they've taught me. And when I think back over my life, Scott, there are people that have had significant influence in my life. They have shaped me greatly. And if you looked at their life, you wouldn't necessarily say, man, those are great leaders because they didn't have titles. They didn't have positions. They didn't have platforms. But their influence and impact in my life has forever marked me. And anything God does in and through my life, those people share in because of the way they influence me. Uh, from my home life, through school, through church, through athletics, through all the different venues, 
God used different people to have influence in my life. And so the principles we're going to talk about today, uh, they're, they're across the board. We're all to be raising up and developing new leaders. And ultimately, when you think about leadership, leadership at times is lonely. But here's the way I like to say it. Leadership may be lonely at times, but it cannot be done alone. It demands that we raise up and develop new leaders. That's incredible. Um, we're going to see that in action in Exodus chapter 18. Vance, I'm going to ask you to read a passage of scripture. But what you just said is what we're going to see in Moses' life. Leadership may be lonely at times, but it cannot be done alone. His uh, his father-in-law gives him some advice in Exodus 18. Read that passage of scripture for us, and then we're going to look at some leadership principles today. Yeah, it picks up in verse 13 of Exodus chapter 18, and I'm reading out of the New American Standard Translation. It says, It came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood about Moses from morning until evening. So all day long they're there. Verse 14. Now when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge and all the people stand about you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and let it be that every major dispute they bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge. So it'll be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to, to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he'd said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel, made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. They judged the people at all times. The difficult disputes they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell and he went his way into his own land. So that was a big passage of scripture, but what we wanna do over this month and next month is we wanna give you as leaders four questions to consider that pertain to sharing responsibility and developing leaders. Right out of this passage of scripture that Pastor Vance just read, uh, we're gonna look at four questions to consider two this month and two next month. So here is the first question, and Pastor Vance, I'm gonna pass it to you and you can unpack this for us. Here's the question. If you are looking at this idea of developing leaders, here's what you have to ask yourself. What is it that only you can do as the leader? Yes, yeah, Scott, I, just in reading that passage again, it's just amazing how God and His sovereignty inspired a word. Uh, this was written several thousand years ago, and man, it is as relevant to our lives today 
because Jethro's counsel here to Moses is that he was to focus on what only he could do. Moses was trying to do it all. He was trying to carry all the burden by himself. And Moses actually even took some pride. You could hear it when, when Jethro asked him the question, what are you doing? And Moses said, well, hey, everybody's got to come to me. Moses really embraced and loved this idea of being the guy that everybody had to come to uh, to get their questions answered. But Jethro's counsel to him here was to focus on what only Moses could do and then let others do the rest. Andy Stanley, uh, in one of his books that I read, makes this statement, and it's a great, great statement when it comes to leadership. Only do what only you can do. That as leaders, we're to focus on that which God has uniquely gifted, wired, and shaped us to carry out inside the organization, the church, the platform that God's given us to lead. And I love how you're talking about that now because I know what you're about to share. Um, several years ago, something happened that made this real for you yeah. um, more than ever. So explain to our leaders what happened, just being transparent, what happened for you that really made you realize this is something I have to imply or apply to my own life? Yeah, we were, uh, you know, we planted hope in 2001 and God's been incredibly good to us. Um, we've experienced much of God's favor. Many people have come to Christ. We've seen thousands come to Christ here in Las Vegas. So our ministry has grown. Our church has grown. You know, we started with 18 people in our living room, and now we have about 4,500 people in small groups that meet all over the city. Um, but a few years ago, you know, we were growing, and I kind of like Moses. I, from the beginning, I was the guy. I started it, and I was totally engaged in everything that was going on, every detail, because I have a unique um, gift mix as a senior leader. A lot of senior leaders are high visionary apostolic leaders, and I have that gifting. But I also have a very unique sense of detail. I'm very detail-oriented, very administrative. Um, and so because of that, for a long time, I carried both of those roles. I was the, the visionary leader, but also the, the executor, the detail guy, the administrator. Um, and as our church grew, church planting is a lot like parenting a newborn child. It's all-consuming. But as that child grows up, your relationship changes as a parent. When they're first born, you do everything. You feed, you change, you clothe, you put to bed, you bathe, you do it all. But as that child grows up, unless there's some deficiency in that child, your role and responsibility as a parent changes. Well, in church planting, it's like that. Early on, man, you're, you're nurturing this newborn baby, this newborn plant. And as it grows, that should change. The problem is, as a leader, I didn't change with the growth. I continued to stay as engaged and involved. And so a few short years ago, man, I hit a wall. Uh, I, I spent eight days in the bed. Um, my, my wife would bring food to the bed, but I would not eat. I, I slept for eight straight days. I, I collapsed physically. My body just had taken everything it could take. Um, and it led to me having to reorganize and restructure my life in this arena of raising up new leaders uh, because I had to learn a very important lesson that leadership is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you try to run a marathon like it's a sprint, you will not reach the finish line successfully. And so that's what happened to me. I, I had not done an effective job of raising up leaders around me. Um, I was still too involved in leadership. I hit a wall. I collapsed, had to do a major reorg in my life. And a big part of that is some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. 
Yeah. So give our, give our listeners a testimony of, so that that's obviously very hard as a leader, but you were forced to because of what you went through, but then you started sharing some responsibility. And what have, what have you seen in our church? What have we all seen in our church as, as a result of you doing what we're talking about today, you understanding there's obviously there's certain things that Vance Pittman does at Hope Church that only Vance Pittman can do. But most of the other things, if not all the other things you've now given to some of us to, to lead with you, um, what have you seen as a result of that? Has that been bad changes or good changes? What have we seen that that's a testimony of, of this principle? Yeah, Scott, when, when, this, when this collapse happened for me and I hit this wall physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, God in His grace brought some great people into my life. Some of them ministry leaders, others of them business uh, leaders that had been speaking into my life, executive leadership, um, but all of them here in our church, some some guys I was serving with on staff and some other guys that were just in our church as lay leaders. And I just brought them around me understanding, hey, I needed to basically do a reboot um, and they, they challenged me to wrestle with two major questions. Here was the first question. What is it at hope that only I can do? Um, we believe and teach scripturally that, that the church is a body and a body has many parts. And all the parts must function to be a healthy body. So me as the senior pastor here, God's given me as a part of this body, but I'm just a part of the body. But as a part of the body... Um, I have a function that needs to be fulfilled inside the body of Christ. So what is that function? So I had to wrestle with that question. What is it that only I can do? And then here was the, the question that they challenged me to think about after that one. And that is, what are you spending time doing that someone else could do at least 85% as good as you do it? And so that really made me wrestle even more with the first question because there were some things that only I could do in the life of Hope Church. God had uniquely gifted and wired me to do that. But there were other things that I was currently involved in that others could do. I felt like at least 85% as good as I could do them. And they ask it that way because if you try to find somebody that you think can do it exactly the way you do it, I think sometimes we set an unusually high expectation and it's, it's unfair. But here's what I've discovered. When I entrusted those tasks, those responsibilities um, that I felt others could do at least 85% as good to them, you know what I've discovered, Scott? I've discovered that most of the time, not only could they do it 85% as good as I thought I could, they've done it so much better than I could have ever done it. Uh, they, they took, and one example of that um, is with our executive pastor now that's in this, this role in our church, our senior executive pastor, Travis Ogle. Up until this collapse, I led every day-to-day staff meeting in our church. Um, but once this collapse happened, one of the things I thought, okay, I think Travis could, could lead our staff team at least 85% as good as, as I could. Well, Travis leads our staff team infinitely better than I ever could have led our team. One of the examples of that is a, an exercise we walk through every year called, well, this year to be called Project 19. It's a, it's a preparation process for the upcoming year from a, a ministry goal and objective standpoint, mission alignment standpoint, a budgeting finance standpoint. All these things are looked at. And it's the most spirit-filled, Christ-honoring, mission-focused, uh, biblical stewardship, but also balancing life and health in the life of our staff team. It's a process like nothing I've ever seen in the life of a church. And I would have never even thought to put something like that together. 
And so Travis has taken that and done in this area infinitely beyond what I was able to do. And so what we've experienced as a result of making these changes is we in the last couple of years, we've now had some of the greatest years in the history of our church. We've seen the most explosive growth. We've seen more people come to Christ. We've seen more churches planted. We're engaged in more places around the world. So taking that lid that I had become of leadership off has opened the door for uh, explosive kingdom expansion growth in a way that we'd never seen before in the history of our church. So I want you to think about that as a leader, as, as, the, as we ask you to consider these two questions this episode. First one is, what is it that only you can do as a leader? That's going to take some time. Pastor Vance had to process that. As you process that, what are the things that only you can do as a leader? And here's the second and final question for our time today. You need to ask yourself as a leader, who's around you? that can share the responsibility of leading. Yeah, Howard uh, Hendricks said this, Scott. He said, the secret of concentration is elimination. So that first question really deals with eliminating those things in the leader's schedule that others could do as good or better than they could do them. This question begins to take that and go a little bit deeper. Once you identify the things that need to be eliminated from your life as a leader, you cannot just quit doing those things. You must entrust the leadership of those things to others who are capable of leading. So once you've identified these things, hey, I think others could do these just as good, you can't just drop them. You can't just forget about them and hope that somebody else does it. You now have a responsibility to raise up and develop leaders who can own those tasks, those responsibilities, just like you own them and better. Uh, so uh, another friend of mine, Gene Mims, who's a pastor that impacted my life in a great way, he said it this way, the most critical decision you make as a leader is choosing the right people to help you. And that's a big piece of what we're talking about here is once you've identified those things that only you can do, now you've got to identify who are the right people who can take these other tasks and responsibilities and take them to the next level. Yeah, in Exodus 18 and verse 21, in the story that you read, it says, Furthermore, you shall select out of the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place them over them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. So as our, we kind of close our time today, what are a few things that we should be looking for in people before sharing responsibility with them. Well, I think this verse gives us three things in particular that we should look for. And what I like about this list that Jethro gave to Moses, two of these three things apply both in ministry and non-ministry situations. One of these obviously is gonna be unique to those involved in ministry leadership. Pastors, church leaders, small group leaders, people leading nonprofits that are in the ministry field. Um, but, but two of these three it doesn't matter where you lead. It doesn't matter if it's at a bank, a school, on a construction project. Two of these three characteristics should always be looked for. So when I identified the things that only I could do, and then I began to look for others who could lead, I began to look for what Moses began to look for here in these things that he selected. And I, I use three different words to describe what Moses identified here. The first is I look for people of influence. What uh, the scripture called them was able men. The Hebrew word for able men here, the Hebrew uh, uh, concept behind this, conveys really two ideas. This idea of being an able man means, first of all, someone who has strength, but also someone who has influence. These are people who others are already following. Uh, 
If they're not leading where they are, they will not begin to lead when you place them somewhere else in the organization, in the church, in the structure of leadership that you have. So the first thing Moses said he was looking for, or Jethro challenged him to look for, and then Moses ultimately did look for this as he talks about it down in verse 25, is able men, people of influence. They're already influencing others. So when you're looking for people to put in these positions of leadership, to entrust leadership to them and share responsibility, you want to find people who are already influencing others where they are. If they're not doing it where they are, simply giving them a title and a new responsibility is not going to motivate them to lead. So you want to find people who are already people of influence. They're already impacting the lives of others. Secondly, Jethro said they need to be men who fear God. People who fear God. Now, this is the one characteristic that's unique to us in the world of ministry leadership. This idea of fearing God are people who live their lives in response to the greatness of God and in fellowship with Him. So I want to know that those that I'm entrusting leadership to, I want to know that they're going to lead from the heart of a devoted follower. If they're not first a devoted follower of Jesus, then they have no place leading in the mission of Jesus or the expansion of his kingdom. Um, and there are several characteristics that you look for in someone who's, who's fearing God. But I use the word intimacy. So it's people of influence, but secondly, people of intimacy, people who know what it is to walk with God personally. Um, I want to know that they listen for the voice of God in their own life. I want to know that they're looking for the activity of God around them. And I want to know that moment by moment, they're people that live in dependence on God. One expression of this, Scott, in our church is we have what we call a stewardship team. It's a group of seven men who lead. Um, they're not elders in our church. We have a plurality of elders among our pastors, but these are seven men who our elders have chosen to submit to for the purpose of accountability, wisdom, and insight in several major areas. And on this team of seven men in our church, there's a, a variety of incredible business acumen. But the thing about them that I appreciate the most is I want to know men in this group know what it is to hear from God personally. I need to know these men walk with God, that they know what it is to hear the voice of Jesus, be led by the Holy Spirit. And so when I'm looking for people to put in positions of leadership, I want to know that they're people of influence, they're able men, but also they're people of intimacy. They walk with God. They fear God. And if you're in a position that allows you to look for that characteristic, then I would highly encourage you to. Number three is what Jethro here called men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain. And the word I use here is integrity. So people of influence, people of intimacy, and people of integrity. This idea, men of truth, the word truth is a word in Hebrew that means faithfulness. This idea of hating dishonest gain, it means to despise increasing wealth in dishonest ways. We're talking here about people of integrity. I want to know that the people that I'm putting in leadership have demonstrated a life of integrity, a life of character, a life of faithfulness. It's the principle Jesus said in the New Testament. Those who've been faithful in little things, he will entrust with more things. So when you're looking for people to put in positions of leadership, people who are influencers, they're already leading others, people who are intimate with Jesus, they're walking with God in their personal lives, and people of integrity. They have character and a reputation that they are people of truth. They're faithful and they hate dishonest gain. So you may not always be leading in an environment where you can look for this principle of intimacy, but every leadership environment should look for people of influence and people of integrity. And the bottom line is, God, you cannot lead effectively without 
developing new leaders. Amen. And that is a great place to stop for this episode. Again, there's so much gold that Pastor Vance just shared. Please go back and listen. Uh, we are considering two questions this episode um, that you need to ask yourself as it pertains to sharing responsibility and developing leaders. Those again are, what is it that only you can do as a leader? And number two, who's around you that can sh- you can share responsibility with um, in leading? So those are two questions. Next month in July, we will answer the other two questions. Um, Share this with your leadership teams. This is probably something you want to spend some time with because it was just a lot of gold statements from Pastor Vance in this episode. Uh, Vance, would you say anything else to our leaders before we sign off today? No, I just say what we said at the beginning that um, if you don't if you don't develop new leaders, you know it really is leadership failure 101. So make sure that you've got, and we'll talk about this in the next session, a process for developing new leaders, and we're going to help you understand more about how to develop that process in the next episode. Awesome. So make sure you tune in to the second part of this episode. Um, we will catch you next month on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.